Today on the Show Me Institute podcast, Dr. Susan Pendergrass is joined by Brian Blaze and Elias Chapellis. Brian Blaze was a special assistant to the president at the White House National Economic Council from 2017 to 2019 and is currently the CEO of Blaze Policy Strategies. Elias Chapellis is a senior analyst at the Show Me Institute. They discuss the possibility of expanding Medicaid in Missouri, the budgetary impacts of growing the program, and what can be learned from other states that have expanded. For more Show Me Institute podcasts, visit SoundCloud at soundcloud slash Institute and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Here's Dr. Susan Pendergrass. Brian Blaze and Elias Chapellis, we're here. We're going to talk about Medicaid expansion, specifically in Missouri. And uh, as I was just saying to you offline, uh, I will be a good representation of many listeners. It's really not something I understand very well. And I understand Medicaid as being the government health insurance program for low-income people. And lots of people are getting laid off right now and people are really struggling economically. Seems to me like it's a pretty no-brainer. We need to help these people out and give more people access to this uh, medical coverage plan. Tell me whether I'm right or wrong and if I'm wrong, why I'm wrong. So uh, the key is to understand uh, this is part of Obamacare and most of the coverage gains through Obamacare have come through Medicaid expansion. States uh, were incentivized to expand because they received 100% reimbursement from the federal government from 2014 to 2016. Um, and the reimbursement rate is still high. It's 90% this year, and it's scheduled to be at 90% um, in perpetuity. That's different from sort of the way the financing works for traditional Medicaid enrollees. So low-income kids, pregnant mothers, uh, low-income seniors, and people with disabilities there, the federal government provides, again, an open-ended reimbursement, but it's much smaller percentage. So for wealthier states, it's about 50%, and for uh, um, the poorer states, it's about 75%. Sounds like free money. So that's one of the reasons that a lot of the states have expanded under Obamacare is because they've heard, oh, this is free money. The federal government's reimbursing the expenses. And that's a misleading argument. I mean, what we have seen is... Uh, states that have expanded, enrollment and spending are off the charts, so far above even what um, sort of the highest expectations were. California, for instance, they expected a million Medicaid expansion enrollees. They got almost 4 million Medicaid expansion enrollees. Uh, how is that possible? I don't understand. So what happened is that states, because they were getting 100% reimbursement, they had an incentive to classify people as expansion enrollees um, because Washington was paying all the expense. So they would take people who were both eligible under the old criteria and classify them as newly eligible and people that aren't eligible at all, classifying them as newly newly eligible to get that higher match rate. Um, I did a paper for Mercatus last year um, that found that there were millions of people put on Medicaid who have income in excess of sort of the legal um, uh, legal limits. So there's a couple University of Wash- I'm sorry, Washington University professors who have modeled this in Missouri and said it's going to be a big money saver. But Elias, you have some fundamental problems. I mean, this is what we're mostly seeing in the media is this WashU study, but it- it's incorrect. Right. Yeah. And it goes directly to what Brian was saying. Right. It goes to exactly what he's saying. So they generated all of these savings. They say Missouri expands Medicaid. You put 200 plus thousand more people on the program and it's going to cost less than it costs today. 
But what they do is they take um, the disabled people that are on Medicaid in Missouri today and they shift them to the new, um, the new Medicaid expansion enrollment population to increase the amount of money the federal government pays for them sure. from 60 to 90 percent. And um, that's how they generate all their savings. But like Brian said, you know, that, that's not allowed by the federal government. But that sounds is, like that's the tool they're using. It sounds like California is getting away with it. Could Missouri get away with it? California did get away with it for the first couple of years. I mean, it was 100% reimbursement rate. Um, now, they're not getting away with it anymore. And states like New York and Oregon that expanded Medicaid um, have significant uh, uh, cost pressure coming from Medicaid overruns, and they've got to reduce their Medicaid spending now. Plus, the federal government, um, you know, the administration changed, and this administration is starting to take oversight um, and program integrity seriously. So they are, you know, beginning to crack down and states are going to bear their full share. And it's important to know that um, there's what we call this sort of woodwork population, that people that are eligible for Medicaid, because Medicaid isn't a really good deal, um, doesn't provide a lot of value, they don't enroll in the program. If the states, if, this, if Missouri gets Medicaid expansion, um, insurance companies are going to be out trying to enroll people because they're making money for every enrollee. So they're going to pump up enrollment. Um, and if people are uh, signing up for the expansion who were eligible under the previous state criteria, state's going to be paying, you know, 40% of the cost for those individuals. So the state, I mean, I, I would bet that this, that whatever projections you've seen, the state share of spending will be uh, far higher than those projections. When we know that the state's uh, budget is suffering terribly um, in the current economic situation. But one thing that I think is kind of, I don't know, interesting, I guess, is there's a, f a handful of people who understand Medicaid who say, this is a terrible idea. And then there's everyone else who thinks this helps low-income people. It's a great idea. So do you think that the message is just easier on the other side? Or like, why, why do people... Why is there such strong support for expanding Medicaid? Do you well, think? it helps some people. Some people are going to get health coverage that they didn't get before, right? But it's going to hurt other people. So there's nothing about Medicaid expansion that increases the supply of doctors or that increases the supply of nurses, right? There's nothing that increases care. So really, you're just shifting care from some populations to other populations. What I find immoral about Medicaid expansion is that the federal government is providing a higher reimbursement for the able-bodied working age expansion population than it is for traditional populations, the disabled, the low-income kids and pregnant women. That incentivizes states to take resources away from the traditional population. So that's um, true in, um, the expansion population. in Missouri, Elias. Explain how that would work. So you would have like working adults or maybe non-working adults would be able to sign up. Right. And what... What Missouri's situation is today, Missouri is one of the most lenient states for kids to get on Medicaid. You can get on to Medicaid if your parents make up to 300% of the federal poverty limit. But for elderly uh, people or the disabled, it's pretty average across the states where Missouri sits. But where Missouri is pretty stringent is for adults. If you're an adult and you don't have a kid, you will never qualify for Medicaid. But if you have a dependent, you qualify for Medicaid, but you must be making um, under 22% of the federal poverty uh, level, which is something like four or $5,000 a year. And so this wow. Medicaid expansion, what, what you're going to see with that is the healthy adults that, you know, are either working 
a little bit or you know can't work at all they're going to be the ones coming on but Missouri's already struggling to deal with you know Missouri has over 920,000 people on Medicaid roughly one in six people in the state are on it or close a little bit less than one in two kids and so the resource allocation Half of kids problem are is on serious Medicaid pretty, pretty close it's it's between one and two and one and three kids and you know the, there's a real serious um, allocation problem that we're going to have as soon as you grow the program by two, 300,000 people. So what this is designed to do is to take adults without kids who would not normally qualify and give them healthcare coverage. It expands it to people that um, do have kids and people that don't have kids. And so that's the slight so, difference. Importantly though, a lot of those people already have health coverage. So it displaces the private coverage they have with Medicaid. So previous mm. estimates of, it's called crowd out, um, estimate that Medicaid expansions result in about a 60% crowd out rate, which means 100 people who gain Medicaid, 60 of them have replaced private coverage with Medicaid. Wow. Okay. So Brian, I'm reading about stimulus money, and I know we've had a couple of pretty generous stimulus packages, but it seems to me that the next round of stimulus packages, if, they're, if they happen, are over-the-top expensive. Like what I'm seeing in education is asking for hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, Medicaid expansion, like having the federal government pick up a, more of the tab, is that in there? That has been proposed by some Democrat members of the House, but I don't think that has been in legislation that's passed the Congress. So they passed, the Democrats passed uh, the HEROES Act at the end of May. So I guess I'm saying like if Missouri decides to expand Medicaid and it uh, just kills the rest of our budget, which will pretty much have to come from education, higher education and K-12 education, is there a chance that the federal government will bail us out on that decision? I mean, <laughs> there's always a chance, I guess, that the federal government pursues bad fiscal policy, but mm -hmm. I'd, say, I'd say it's unlikely. Yeah, it just feels like people are kind of feeling and planning that way right now. I mean, the state would be responsible for 10% of the share of the expansion population and 40% of the share for the traditional uh, people who are already eligible to come in because of the expansion. So what can we do to help um, low-income people who got, are out of work and don't have health care coverage now? Well, I mean, I think uh, before I answer that, some of the, uh, the research findings on Medicaid expansion show that we shouldn't expect health improvements from Medicaid mm -hmm. expansion. So Oregon expanded Medicaid about a decade ago, and they did it in a really creative way where um, they had a limited number of spots and they opened it up through a lottery. So people applied. If they won the lottery, they got assigned Medicaid. If they didn't, um, they weren't assigned Medicaid. They were part of the control group. And researchers looked at four measures of health, um, including uh, blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar, and found that on those measures of physical health, there was no difference, no positive um, impact on individuals from gaining Medicaid coverage. Uh, there was some benefit of sort of um, feeling less financially um, insecure, um, but again, no health benefit. I did a paper for the Texas Public Policy Foundation in April, and we reviewed a whole bunch of studies, dozens of studies on public coverage expansions, on Medicaid expansions, and the conclusion that we found is that targeted expansions so aimed at um, vulnerable populations like low-income children, um, there 
are real health improvements there. Um, so those investments make some sense for the government. But large public expansions, um, we just haven't seen um, uh, sort of robust evidence that those are the good uses of taxpayer dollars. Yeah, I there's charity. There's charity care. I mean, there are mm -hmm. um, uh, there are ways for people to get health care. There's federally qualified health centers, mm -hmm. which we write about in the paper, and that are a pretty uh, uh, cost effective use of um, of public dollars to help people um, who have difficulty affording coverage. Yeah, I think we have that in St. Louis. Is that right, Elias? Yeah, and you know something I would add uh, too is that. Medicaid expansion doesn't do anything to increase the supply of providers. And so, you know, the majority of Missouri is in a health uh, professional shortage area. So people are already struggling to access the care they need. And just extending coverage to more people doesn't change that, doesn't change the fact that it's still, you know, in parts of Missouri, you have to drive 60 miles to get to see a doctor. So that's also probably plays a role and why you don't necessarily see all these health outcome changes because you're not addressing the underlying issues at play. Right. So we give in our paper, the one I mentioned, the Texas Policy Foundation, we give three reasons why um, the health benefits of Medicaid expansion are underwhelming. And uh, the first is that uh, the uninsured relative to sort of the same person controlling for the same characteristic to someone who has insurance, they, they receive about 80% as much medical care. Um, the second is the issue of crowd out, which we mentioned. Um, a lot of people who gain the uh, Medicaid coverage have replaced um, private coverage. And the third is that there's important secondary effects. So that is sort of what Elias was referring to, is that there's a shifting um, of who gets care. So one of the things that we've observed with Medicaid expansion is that ambulance wait time increases. So it takes longer for ambulances to come um, and get people to hospitals. Why is that? Because Medicaid expansion has so increased demand uh, okay. for healthcare services and that has done nothing for the supply. Yeah, I mean, it's a market basically, right? And you're, you're not doing anything to improve the match of supply and demand. You're just increasing demand without... De making anything on the supply side. That's right. And what you could be doing there is crowding out people that have more intense health care needs with people that has, have less in intense health care right. needs. And, yeah. and one, one thing I would add to is, you know, Medicaid generally pays less than private insurance. That's why this sure. crowd out effect is so important. Like on average, I would say if, if you say private insurance pays 100%, Medicare probably pays 80 and Medicaid might pay 50%. And so when you're crowding these people out, you're, you're looking at these providers that are already stretched for, you know, there's not that many providers and they're covering Medicaid patients. You know, the, the supply and demand stuff there, like you're not going to see a crazy increase of supply because they're not making much on Medicaid people anyways. Yeah. It's one of those things I've talked about this before um, in education policy, people, love to talk about universal pre-K as though it's some sort of panacea and all we need to do is spend trillions of dollars on universal pre-K and um, we'll, we'll become more competitive worldwide. Well, there's 50 years of research on that that says that doesn't work and it's just very, very expensive. But to be on the side of saying we shouldn't have universal pre-K just kind of feels mean. And so to be on the side of like don't expand Medicaid feels like you don't care about people, you know? And so 
Like, I often feel like I'm the one bringing like the logic and the evidence and the numbers, which people don't really relate to as easily as they do to, to the emotional side of things. But, um, but it's, it's a, it's a welfare program, right? You're saying mm -hmm. we support a strong Medicaid program to do what it was intended to do and provide health care mm -hmm. for those populations that society has deemed most vulnerable and most needing of public assistance. So low-income kids, pregnant mothers, uh, people with disabilities, right? Those people that um, need extra assistance. When you expand Medicaid, you are making the care that they receive worse, right? They're going to have a harder time accessing healthcare services. We think there's different solutions for people um, that are relatively healthy and able-bodied. So like the federal government's working on a proposal that would allow, they finalized the rule. It's one of the things I worked on in the Trump administration that allows employers to provide tax-free dollars for people to go pick the insurance that worked best for them. Um, that's something that, you know, could benefit lower income, uh, workers and maybe there could be, you know, a small government subsidy attached to that so that people can combine the employer money with the, um, uh, with the, uh, government subsidy to purchase coverage that works best for them. But Medicaid isn't the right spot. Right. And I think like the work that Elias has been done, been doing, the show me has been doing is to try to drive home the point that if we do this, we will cut education. So you're going to, we can't have all the things. So if what we choose is Medicaid expansion, then higher ed's going to get a cut. Probably K-12 is going to get a cut. Probably roads and bridges will get a cut because there isn't some money tree in Missouri that says you can have this too. It means you can have this instead. And um, I think that is what is the such an important message to me. If it's not effective, and sounds like you're saying it's not an effective uh, program to expand Medicaid and doesn't improve health outcomes, and it takes away from something else, I think that that is just something that people don't understand. And I would add to that too, is just there's a lot of problems with the current program. You know, the, it's already the state's biggest program. It's not like we're growing some small portion of the budget. It's How much? the biggest... It's it's uh, this year it's eleven billion, but next year it'll be more because the amount of people on Medicaid's already went up by about sixty thousand just since um, the coronavirus. It's maybe a third of our budget. Sorry, uh, yeah, it's between a third. It's between thirty and forty percent, and you know all this money's going to hospitals and nursing homes and just all these ways we're funding things and we're not seeing accountable outcomes. Um, we should fix the program before we even consider expanding it because who, if a program's not working well today, how well do you think it's going to work when you add 300,000 more people to it? Right. So what you're saying is it increases the profit of hospitals. Uh, I think it does. I think you see this in, uh, does it Colorado. save the hospitals that are closing? Cause that people talk about that a lot. Will this save the small rural hospitals from, from closing? So I think the um, the main benefit is to insurance companies. They're operating Medicaid managed care. Um, they want more enrollees, so they're going to see a significant benefit. I think the issue with hospitals is less clear um, because of the issue that Elias mentioned, that hospitals get lower rates from Medicaid and providers get lower rates from Medicaid than from private insurance. So for some hospitals, if you've got significant crowd out of private coverage, they could be worse off. Uh, because uh, they're receiving so much less on behalf of the Medicaid patient than on behalf of the private payer. 
Is that true? That's true. I know we've had a couple hospitals closed this year. And to what you both said earlier, it, this does not address that supply problem. This isn't a solution to that. Right. And, and if anything, right now we're seeing just the way that Missouri has propped itself up with kind of financing gimmicks to its Medicaid program. You know, the, like what? Um, each year, each year, Missouri's hospitals get billions of dollars, but the um, state tax portion of that specifically is well less than 10% of that because they use provider taxes. They use other ways to try to increase the amount of federal money they get. And you see that in nursing homes too. And, you know, the issue with all that is first thing, the federal money's not free, even though it's sort of treated sure. like that for our budget. But I pay federal taxes. But you're also not you're also not seeing, I mean, if you just look at nursing homes the last, you know, few months, um, there's definitely some sort of tie between the majority of uh, the main payer for Missouri's nursing homes is Medicaid. And Missouri's nursing homes have also been, you know, one of the worst hit by these things because the government is um, having a hard time you know, paying these places less and, you know, the regulations that are involved, it mm -hmm. turned out to not be a very safe place. Right. I have a recent Wall Street Journal editorial on this exact subject where um, uh, I did it with Steve Moses, who's an expert in long-term care financing. And we wrote about uh, the fact that Medicaid is so easy to get onto um, for long-term care that the way that the state has had to deal with cost pressures is to underpay for Medicaid services which has tended to lead to relatively low quality of care at a lot of nursing homes around the country, where something like almost two thirds of enrollees in nursing homes are uh, paying for their care from Medicaid. And we know that the uh, COVID pandemic has been especially hard on nursing homes. Uh, I think we'll be debriefing on that for a while, what happened, but cl clearly there was some quality issue there, right? There had to have been. Um, how many states have not yet expanded Medicaid? I think, I think 14. Yeah. So we're part of a dwindling group. And once we expand, we're not going back, right? There's no, have any states unexpanded? Not no. yet. No. Well, uh, we'll see how this budgetary, uh, you know, the budget times right now, this is, this is the biggest test for state budgets, um, since Medicaid, um, or the Affordable Care Act was passed, you know, ever, it was pretty easy for states to kind of get along um, passing their budgets year to year when everyone is, you know, in one of the biggest stretches of economic growth, growth. that we've mm -hmm. seen. And so, you know, now that you see revenues start declining and Medicaid rolls start increasing, we'll really see what happens, or I guess if the federal government will bail out their past decisions. Yeah. And let me say one thing about this, because, uh, you know, we're in an area where there's not a lot of fiscal restraints in Washington, but there will be at some point in the future. And if you just look at the Obama administration um, for where we could go on Medicaid financing, uh, that 90% reimbursement rate uh, may not be there in perpetuity. Mm. So in 2011, the Obama administration proposed what's called a blended rate proposal which would have reduced the expansion population uh, reimbursement rate and somewhat increased the reimbursement rate for the traditional population, but in a way that led to overall budget savings. So states, um, I think it is very plausible um, that they will be on the hook for more than just 10% of the cost mm. of the expansion population. 
Yeah, that's going to be tough. I mean, our budgets, I mean, our uh, revenue's down already, right, Elias? Yeah, we're looking to end uh, the fiscal year about 6% behind where we were last year. So it's roughly 600 some million. And one way I heard, uh, you know, the Medicaid expansion funding described one time is, you know, do you really think the federal government when they were deciding Medicaid expansion, if they, you know, were going from the beginning, they would have chosen to pay the most for the healthy adults, you know, they would definitely- If you were designing from scratch, right? Yeah, if you were designing from scratch, you would definitely choose to pay more for, you know, people with disabilities or children, you know, something like that. So to think that forever, you're going to keep getting this enormous discount on the healthiest people on Medicaid just seems unlikely. Well, we'll see. But I, I personally appreciate you informing me because it's something that I want to know more about before, um, that I didn't know a lot about before, but I want to know more about. So it's, that's really helpful for me. And you have a very common sense approach to this. So hopefully people will, um, will listen to what you have to say. Sure. Well, thank, thank you very much for taking the time out uh, to join this interesting new way of creating podcasts where everyone's in their bed. I'm in my bedroom or, you know, people are in their home and, uh, but we're still getting information out, which is the most important thing and, and great conversation. Sure. Thank you for listening to the show me Institute podcast. Find more at show me Institute.org. <laughs>